0: The Bears still hold the top two spots in the draft. The tight end rankings in the 24 class, maybe they got a little shakeup this week. Who are the top five wide receivers in the 2024 NFL draft class? All that and more coming up next on the Draft Countdown Podcast. Everyone and welcome to tonight's edition of the Draft Countdown Podcast. I am your co-host, Brian Bosar. joined, as always, by my co-host, Shane P. Hallam. Shane, we are 189 days, 22 hours, 58 minutes, 19 seconds away from the 2024 NFL Draft. I feel like the draft talk's
1: heating up out there, right? Some of these some of these NFL teams are starting to feel like, ah, okay, we're well out of it. Let's look at the draft. So I, I think draft season is starting to... Uh, to come to fruition. So if you're new, listen to the podcast. Welcome. We'll get you
0: all caught up based off some of the Twitter comments I saw on your uh, top five at each position post. I'd say some of these fan bases are a little salty out there too, Shane. A little salty. Yeah, look,
1: I like I like to rile them up a little bit. Get them mad. That that gets the engagement. Let's, let's do it.
0: Hey, we, we don't want to get soft out here. As always, if you're watching live along the show tonight and you have a question that you'd like answered, go ahead and ask it in the chat. If you're following on Twitter, at Countdown, send us a, a question there, we'll answer it. If you're a member of our Discord, you can send us a question there. If you're not, go to DraftCountdown.com. Top right corner of the search bar is a link to our Discord channel. Come on in. We talk about all the games, anything, fantasy, whatever you want to talk about. We'll talk about it there on the Discord channel. And if you're coming along on this new to YouTube, go ahead and hit that subscribe button and the notification bell so you get notified when we go live each and every week with this podcast. Shane, as we've started the last couple of weeks, uh, we're going to start right into the uh, to the top 10 of the NFL draft. The order shuffled a little bit, not a whole lot. Uh, the Panthers lost again their 0-6, but that pick goes to the Chicago Bears as they now hold the number one pick and the number two pick as they are themselves are one in five. Uh, what's what's up with the Panthers? I th- they showed some promise. They actually got up
1: fourteen nothing against the Dolphins. It's the it was the Dolphins. They weren't going to win that game, but uh, I think they're starting to develop. Frank Reich now is giving up play calling duties. I think that will help. Uh, so I th- I feel like the Panthers aren't going to be winless here. You know, a lot of injuries. Bryce Price Young is starting to get it together. I think they'll get better. But uh, just they're showing the talent right now.
0: Uh, Denver stays bad. They're one in five. Arizona also one in five. But Kyler Murray uh, coming off the uh, he has opened his practice window. He's got three weeks to uh, get reacclimated and get back in there uh, for Arizona. Don't know if that'll help. Can't hurt. Uh, New York Giants maybe a surprising one in
1: five here. It's close. They were a yard away from beating the Bills and, and getting their second win. So the defense is playing better. I think, yeah, a little surprising, but I think I think they'll pull it
0: together. We don't think they're going to be in the top five when it's all said and done. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. The offensive just, line is pretty yeah rough, but we'll yeah. see. Daniel, Daniel Jones still bad. Uh, speaking of bad quarterbacks, uh, Mac Jones is not a good quarterback, and the Patriots are one in five. Uh, is this the swan song for Belichick? I, I, I still don't believe they're going to fire him, but
1: uh, I don't know. I don't know. Robert Kraft could do a lot of different things, but uh, this might be it. If he, they keep losing, it's going to be hard to justify.
0: Uh, somebody just bring this man in as a consultant or something. L- let him go off in the sunset, and and, and but I believe it's over there in, in, in New England. Minnesota wins this week. Uh, they get to two and four. Tennessee, we 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 kind of predicted they were going to hit the skids here, and that has come to fruition. Uh, Ryan Tannehill hurt last week. Malik Willis uh, comes in at quarterback. Uh, yeah, that 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 ain't that not ain't Will not Levis, it. not Will Levis. Yeah, Malik Willis. Uh, that that ain't it. Are we going to see Will Levis? At some I would hope, so. I hope so.
1: I've, if they keep losing, you got
0: to try. Uh, Green Bay in the top ten here at two and three. And uh the LA Chargers after their loss on Monday night fall to two and three uh as well. New Orleans just on the outside uh at three and three as well as Atlanta.
1: Yeah one two three four five six seven eight nine teams are three and three. So there's nine teams right on the verge of being a wild card or being in the top ten. It's very tight right now.
0: Yeah very 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 close and yeah Uh, including the Cincinnati Bengals who are going to the bye week three and three. Uh, Your Steelers are on the bye week this week uh, three and two, but no longer in the division lead. Yeah. Baltimore gets to four and two and takes the division lead. Yeah. So competitive. No, no undefeated teams left either after this week.
1: Pop that champagne early. uh, The Miami dolphins, right? I mean, that was, that was some wild upsets this week for the 49ers and Eagles both losing uh I don't know, who, who who do you think's the best team in the nfl like I, it's, it's hard after this week to pick i think it's hard to decide
0: i mean it, the hottest team right now would be kansas city right they've won five in a row after losing the opener to, to detroit yeah but are they the best team they're the best I team it, yeah it, it, it's hard
1: to say maybe they,
0: still that, san francisco i don't know well, while we're talking about Kansas City, uh, let's move on to NFL in week six. And uh that Kansas City gets some reinforcements this week. Uh, they get Micole Hardman back on the roster uh after he found himself uh twenty eight targets in six games, I think I read, uh, with the Jets. Gets traded back to Kansas City where uh, he was a year ago. And they do the uh ham sandwich trade here, a pick swap of twenty twenty-five picks. Uh, does this mean anything to you at all? I mean, it does because he's been there. So I feel like we know
1: that they'll utilize him in some way. This isn't just, oh, you know, let's trade nothing for a guy and, you know, Chase Claypool's not going to play again. We have had a lot of those ham sandwich trades, though. There's been a ton of those just salary dumping. and uh, But I think Nicole Hardman, you know, the Chiefs don't really have a speed guy on the roster anymore. So maybe he'll help.
0: There was a lot of injuries uh, in the NFL this week, right? Just some bigger name players. Uh, you got an update on any of that?
1: Yeah, look, we, we had a lot, especially, you know, from a fantasy perspective, there's a lot. Um, Christian McCaffrey with the oblique injury went down, didn't return. Seems like he might be okay. Justin Fields is going to be out this week with a hand injury. So Tyson Bagent, the undrafted rookie, we talked about a lot on this podcast. You saw the senior bowl from Shepherd, is going to start. Uh, there and their opponent, this... Aiden O'Connell, right? Well, yeah, their opponent this week's, the Las Vegas Raiders, Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, had a back injury. Brian Hoyer came in for him. I don't think it's a hundred percent that they're going to start Aiden O'Connell, but it seems likely, that that's the case. Maybe it's Hoyer, but uh, it's, it's going to be one of the worst quarterback matchups we've had in years. Uh, Tyson Badgin against Aiden O'Connell. I feel like not great. <laughs> not great. Uh, uh, Trevor Lawrence went down with a knee injury. He looks like he's going to play uh, this week. We'll see Devo Samuel with a shoulder. Looks like he might play. Ramondre Stevenson got a concussion, came back. Dave Montgomery had a rib injury. He's out for some time. Kyron Williams is on fire for the Rams. Ankle injury, he's out. His backup, Brian Rivers, then ends up on IR for the year. Uh, so Mr. Zach Evans looks like he might be the starter by the rams claimed claimed him on waivers this week in the old fantasy league (laughs) ah there you go um you mentioned Ryan Tannehill had the ankle injury he was out marcus davenport for the saints was carted off so it's been a it was an injury-filled week for the nfl and a lot of these spots
0: it's rough but you know it's it's this is the time of year where you test you know you did these teams depth get tested and this is what's separates those nine three and three teams you know who has the best depth to get them through to the end of the year you know or to survive i should say this middle of the season stretch where it's going to get tough um you know so that that's one one thing uh let's move on to week seven of college football this past week um before we do that i want to throw this stat at you Uh it uh, got brought to my attention today. We'll, we'll call this the unofficial stat of the week. I don't we, we don't have a, a of, segment for this but we may we may start. May, may, maybe you got to be on it Brian. You, you got the stat, stat of the week. After their game this past week, Auburn has had one 100-yard passing game. Not rushing, not receiving. One 100-yard passing game in their last 7 sec games and that was this past week where peyton thorn come through for 102 yards wow that, that, that is, is wild. their that is their first 100 yard passing game in their last seven conference games dating back to the game against uh mississippi last year who they play this week wow yeah that's
1: uh yikes that's that, that a does big, not bode well that's a yeah. big that's what that <laughs> is well Wow, no, yeah. I'm looking, I'm looking at some of these. It is wild. Yeah, Robbie Ashford
0: last year 77, 60, 75. Peyton Crazy. Thorne had a game for 44 yards against somebody earlier this season. It's, it's brutal. Brutal. Uh, speaking of brutal, there was some, some shake up, some tight end injuries this week. Uh, one was to the top tight end prospect, Brock Bowers. Uh, what was the name of the surgery he had? Uh, tightrope, tightrope, tightrope surgery. Tightrope surgery, uh, which is an ankle, ankle surgery. Um, do we think that this is going to keep him out for the rest of the season?
1: It, it, it shouldn't, but it might be one of those things where it's late enough for him. Is it worth coming back? And it is an injury that can you can re-injure it. There's more of a risk if you come back too early. So I don't know if, if he'll want to shut it down or not. Um, but it shouldn't affect his draft, you know, working out or anything like that, at the very least.
0: Normally, I would say this wouldn't affect someone like Georgia because they have so much depth everywhere. But they don't beat us. Sw- Talking about how bad Auburn was, Auburn with their 62 yards passing from Peyton Thorne a few weeks ago probably beats Georgia if not for Brock Bauer's heroics in the second half there in the fourth quarter, right? So. They needed every bit of Brock Bowers in that fourth quarter to get that win. Uh, They do have Oscar Delp, who I believe is another five-star tight end, right? So, I mean, they've got him, another true freshman. I think I can't remember his name, but made some impact early. Pierce Spurlin. Yeah, Yeah. he's he's
1: another, you know, high. They say they have a lot of high recruits. I like Oscar Delp a lot, but it's not Brock Bowers. You know, it's different.
0: Uh, Another guy who was seemingly poised to be the next Iowa tight end that, Takes the NFL by storm. uh, Transfer from Michigan, Eric All uh, was moving up tight end boards. Tears his ACL last week.
1: That's the second Iowa uh, tight end out for the season. Luke Lachey as well, who was another NFL prospect out. So it's going to be interesting to see if, especially for Eric All, he might still declare. You know, he has been he was around Michigan for a while. We'll see if those guys still come out for the draft.
0: It's it's tough tough you hate you hate to see that um i know all was uh i would say poised to be at least be at the senior bowl right because yeah yeah I just from so. from the from the talk that had come up all right so let's move on to the best players we saw in week 17 of college football and my best offensive player it, this was going to be easy right because it was going to come from one game it was going to come from washington <laughs> and oregon it had to and uh I could have gone with Michael Penix. that would have been a, a way to go but I, I thought that Roma Dunze the wide receiver uh put on the best performance that I've saw just uh the fourth year pat he's an elite level prospect to me I think he's a you had him in your top 20 today or top 25 of your rankings uh, your new board that came out uh, he's great catching 50 50 ball he's he's he can take a short pass he can go to distance with it his ball tracking is some of the best in this draft class uh, in my opinion, uh, was targeted 11 times against Oregon, caught eight of them for 128 yards and two touchdowns. I just I thought Odunze uh, was the best um, prospect I saw this week on the offensive side of the ball. He's good, and he has some size. He's, you know, he's not one
1: of these kind of thin rail, no offense, uh, Brian John Ross receivers coming out of Washington. Um, you know He actually has some size to him, can play outside, can play in the slot. Yeah, I really like it. Dune say had a great game against uh Oregon who I uh, really struggled against those receivers.
0: Amazingly, uh Washington has a fourth NFL prospect at wide receiver emerged this week coming off the injured list, Giles Jackson. Come back. He is the smaller guy, at 5'9, 175, but he had a good game as well, six catches, 58 yards and a touchdown. Just four wide receivers, you know, on that team that could all be playing on Sunday. Wow.
1: Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's I, they're on pace to be the greatest offense in college football history ahead of the Joe Broach LSU. LSU. Wow.
0: LSU, yeah, wow, did not know that. Yeah, that's, that's impressive. That is impressive. Uh Who was the best offensive player you saw this week?
1: Yeah, you know, honestly, there wasn't many that of like new players that I was like, oh yeah, you know, this guy want to want to highlight. So I'm going to go with someone you brought up a couple weeks ago that we talked about last week Uh, wasn't in my top five running back still isn't, but uh, Ray Davis, the running back for Kentucky had another really solid game in the loss to Missouri Uh, averaged over almost six and a half yards of carry, you know, when they just ran him, (laughs) like they were successful. And then when they got away from it, that was the problem. He caught a touchdown in the red zone as well. Showed off some, some of his hands. So if he wasn't 24 years old, I'd feel a lot better. Uh, but uh, he, he is a tough inside runner, turning those legs, uh, just, you know, the way that he can kind of get skinny through a hole and is very difficult to bring down a first contact. It feels like there's an NFL role out there for Ray Davis. So uh, I was uh, pretty happy with this performance against Mizzou. All
0: right. You watched Florida and South Carolina. You watched Missouri and Kentucky last week. How bad's it going to be? <laughs>
1: Uh, it, it might, it might, it might, it might be bad. It
0: might be bad. So we'll we'll see. We'll see. I, I've i made peace all right, with that's how okay. bad it's, it's going to be. It's um, okay. All right. Let's move on to the defensive side of the ball where I actually have a defensive player, uh, this week. And it was one that was not on our watch list. He got the ad. Uh, I don't think he's going to enter this draft class. This is the only a third year defender, but, uh, edge rusher from UTSA Trey Moore. Uh, popped this week, uh, for me, six three two thirty five uh, against UAB, three and a half sacks, forced to f- uh, had a strip sack, f- uh, fumble on the uh, on one of the sacks, five tackles, four solos, just a dominant performance, uh, from the Roadrunner defender.
1: That's that's a good name. I haven't focused on him, so I have to write that down and go back, yeah. and watch him. Like I said, I, I think
0: he's probably more of a 25 prospect than he is a 24 prospect. Just based off being a UTSA and a undersized edge rusher. but uh, I think he's more in line for next year. But I, just, he's really stood out. It's just a name I wanted to just to get on our list, if nothing else.
1: No, I like it. I like it. Good call. I like those, those stamina of the rough names for sure. Who's the best defender, uh, you saw this week? Yeah, we're going with, uh, Florida Gator here against your South Carolina Gamecocks, uh, Prince, Princely, Umami from Florida. Um, you know, had a sack in the game, had another tackle for loss in the game, and it, it, he was in the backfield multiple times. His motor runs a little hot and cold. I felt like there's some series where he was kind of dogging it a little bit. You know, I think we have that sometimes with these edge rushers and front seven guys, where it's like, eh, it's not every play. But I mean, the place where he was on, he was hot. I mean, he was on, and South Carolina could not block Um uh, Emmanuel f- to save their life. So I, I think he's really he's moved up my board a lot. After watching that performance, I think he's has a shot to be a day two, you know, Florida another Florida defender going day two as a, as a pass rusher.
0: Yeah, he's a guy I, I thought a lot about as well. But to me, when I was watching the game, I thought he did most of his damage in the second half. And to me, that coincided. South Carolina reshuffled their offensive line this week, and it was really improved, it looked. And then the guy they moved from center to right tackle, Vershawn Lee, gets hurt. And he's out for the season now. And they brought in a true freshman to play right tackle. That's when Louis Mamalin took over there in the second half. That yeah. just That's, uh, could be good be, but good good context. I just put it in a context that yeah, thought it. he had a great game as well. And he was one of my probably one of my favorite prospects on that Florida team, uh, to be honest. All right. Yeah. So let's uh, let's move on now to week eight, where we look at the uh, eight games that we're focusing on this week. And Shane, uh, your first up with a game that took place last night. So uh, let's talk about Western Kentucky and Jacksonville State a game that was at six thirty last night on ESPNU. It was fun. Your uh, your Jacksonville State uh,
1: Gamecocks man, they they won. They won. I didn't think they would win that game. They were down uh for most of it to western kentucky um you know i I was watching kind of the those big western kentucky names austin reed the quarterback for western kentucky didn't play particularly well i mean jacksonville state a lot of press coverage um got some pass rushing in there and malachi corley the big receiver who i do like a lot semi top 10 receivers i kind of quiet you know he, he had a quiet game where he usually can dominate so it was kind of interesting to see jacksonville state almost uh you know, shut them down um, ultimately.
0: Yeah, I was wondering how poorly. Uh, did you happen to catch any of uh, Jacksonville State interior offensive lineman Clay Webb last night? Just just curious. Yeah, did
1: it, did I did. Let me look at my notes here. Yeah, I I, I had him circled uh, pretty good, especially in terms of run blocking and movement. So, you know, they, they had a lot of uh, Zion Webb was running all over the place. You know, oftentimes not even you know, some QB, some QB blast type things. And they ran behind Clay Webb. I mean, that was yeah. kind of the, we're just going to run behind him. So really kind of more of a road grading. I thought his footwork was pretty good. So yeah, solid, not super athletic, maybe undrafted, you know, late round guy.
0: Yeah, he. Uh, that's kind of what I thought of him when I watched him earlier this season against UTEP as well. Uh, if there's one thing I can say, though, if you can't run block, you're probably not going to play much in uh, Rich Rod's offense there. So. Right. All right. So let's move on. I, I had changed a game around uh, to get this game in. It's going on tonight. It's going on right now on ESPN2. Uh, New Mexico State at UTEP. I've seen UTEP play earlier this season. Uh, their quarterback, Gavin Hardison, not going to play tonight. Uh, but they've got a couple of good defenders and praise Amawule, the edge rusher and Tyrese Knight. Their linebacker are are two good players, but the guy that brought me to the table here, because I've been seeing him a lot on Twitter this season, and that's New Mexico state quarterback, Diego Pavia. I have no idea if it's it's the hype is worthy, but I'm going to get a good look at him tonight.
1: Yeah, look, he's a big college fantasy football player. He's been putting up a lot of numbers, definitely on the small side for, for yeah. a quarterback, uh, but kind of intriguing for a team. New Mexico State playing well for a team I didn't expect to to do that well.
0: Uh, Jerry Kill, their head coach, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Former Minnesota coach. All right, let's move on to Saturday now at 11 a.m. on the ACC Network. Shane, you'll be watching Boston College at Georgia Tech, uh, a couple of underachieving teams here. Uh, Boston College, uh, Christian Mahogany, their uh interior offensive line, probably their best prospect. I, if I had to garner a guess, maybe, maybe not. Uh Georgia Tech has a corner that I liked a lot last year. Curious to see uh if he's still doing anything of note. Lamiles Brooks, uh, their 6'2, 184 corner uh for Georgia Tech.
1: No, it's good. Yeah, I'm excited to see Christian Mahogany. That's really why I picked this game, uh, with him being back from injury and seems like he's playing well so i am i'm excited to watch some of these linemen that I've kind of bypassed so far this season georgia tech d- does have some intriguing defenders uh, like cuz uh, like kevin harris for them popped for me but, uh, similarly i don't think he's really much of a prospect so i'm interested to see if the defense any of these guys kind of pop out in this game
0: yeah it's uh, i haven't watched them yet as I i've watched neither one of those teams yet uh, the game I stole from you, Shane, 11 a.m. on Fox, uh, Penn State at Ohio State. I'm like, you know what? If I'm going to watch these two teams, let's just watch this one, right? And this game loaded with prospects, as as we know here. Um, I guess the, the matchup, are we going to get Ibuka back this week? Uh, that's a good question.
1: I think it's still a little bit up in the air. I think if he can play, he's going to play. Um, but they're kind of keeping all, all, all the health for him. Travion Henderson, very hush hush. Um, but I have a feeling we'll, we'll see a Buka out there if we can go.
0: If, if we get to see this matchup this week, I hope we do Marvin Harrison jr. Who we'll talk a little bit, a lot more about here in a minute. Um, and Kalen King, the corner from Penn state. That's a matchup. Maybe we'll get this week. We'll see Be, uh intriguing if we do, but, uh, the Theo Johnson, the tight end for Penn State, I saw his name pop up this week. Is it, has he got
1: the goods? He, he's he's starting to get the goods. I loved him coming out of high school. I thought he was going to be a stud, just never come to fruition. But I think they're realizing he's their best kind of receiving weapon out there. So Penn State started utilizing him more. I like Theo Johnson, very athletic, big, rangy tight end. Um, you know, there are the other 10, Tyler Warren. You know the Penn State tight ends are athletic, and he can block like good tight end broom for them once again.
0: I guess another matchups I hope we get to see is uh, either Sawyer or JT Tui against Olu Fashanu, right? I mean that's something. Yeah, it should mm-hmm. be
1: Sawyer's side, so he should at least get yeah. some reps there against those two. Um, yeah, Fush- I mean Fashanu is just man, well I'm still a stud on the, the left tackle side. I can't believe it.
0: Yeah, the other uh edge rusher in this game that I want to see is Chop Robinson from Penn State. I know you said today you're a little down on him this season. So we'll see how he does uh does in this one. Yeah,
1: it's it's going to be good. It's going to be a, a you know really good matchup. So I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm going to watch it anyway, of course. I'm you excited are. You to watch it. Tommy Eikenberg, too for Houston. We'll see how right. he does against these running backs for Penn State. Yeah,
0: it's it's uh, I could watch this game three times and probably not. (laughs) I probably uh, will have to, yeah. Yeah, and not not see all these uh, matchups we need to see. Another game uh, at 11 a.m. I'll be watching on ABC is UCF at Oklahoma. I haven't watched the Sooners yet this year. Uh, We talked about him last week, and you highlighted him earlier. Now I've got to uh, focus fire here on – because when you put your top five linebackers out on Twitter – I was like, I haven't watched three of these guys. So I'm a, I've got to get on the ball here. And Danny Stutzman from uh, Oklahoma was one of those guys, third year player listed at 6'2, 215. I imagine his weight's probably up a little bit from that. Uh, But so he's got a, a guy I'm definitely going to focus on UCF. uh, They're a good team, but not a great team, not a whole lot of talent there. So mostly this will be focusing on the Oklahoma guys anxious to see uh Stanford transferred offensive tackle Walter Rouse. Uh, Brent Vendel's done a hell of a job at Oklahoma uh, this year, turning that team around. They were, what, six and seven last year, and and now the top five team in the country. Yeah, I'm, I'm honestly surprised. I would not have guessed this.
1: You know, also, guy that you, you talked about, you have talked about on the show before, Tyler Guyton, the offensive tackle for Oklahoma, starting to get some first-round buzz uh, for him. So it's uh, definitely intriguing. And a guy I like no one's really talking about from Oklahoma is Billy Bowman. Their safety, really good athlete, five-star prospect. He's not getting any love. I feel like he should get more love.
0: You know who's going to get drafted in the seventh round and make the NFL team next year? Drake Stoops. It's going to happen.
1: I can see it. I can see it. It's pretty
0: good. Uh, 2.30 on CBS, Shane. It's the third Saturday in October. It's Tennessee at Alabama on CBS um this game intrigues me because I I have I really have liked what I've seen from John Campbell Jr., the offensive tackle from Tennessee. He's gonna get tested uh this week for sure with either or both Dallas Turner and Chris Braswell. Uh they've got a couple of interior offensive linemen that uh we we got on our watch list are gonna get tested by Justin Aboigue and others and don't look now, but Jermaine Burton is uh coming back. He's coming back. He's like, hey, remember me?
1: Yeah, wide receiver for Alabama transferred from Georgia. I thought he was dead in the water. Uh, but Alabama's hurting for those those weapons. So we'll see. Yeah, I'm excited to see that the edge rushers, because I feel like my notes just haven't matched up to their talent and and even to the stats. So I'm like, ah, I feel like I'm missing something here with Dallas Turner and Chris Braswell. I want to see them. JC Latham, the offensive tackle for Alabama's, you know, fringe first rounder, round hype, um, big athlete. And uh, you know, I want see Coley McKinstry, top corner, potential top five pick in this draft. You know, Tennessee's system is hard to cover, so I want to see if he can do it.
0: this could be the final nail in the draft obituary or draft coffin of Joe Milton, right? Yeah. I, th- I think
1: he's, you know, I, I feel like he is what he is. Maybe he ends up in the sixth to seventh round just to take the height, weight, speed arm type player. But it, it, Joe Milton really needs to show out if he wants to be back in the conversation.
0: 100%. Also, uh, chance to see uh senior bowl kicker uh Will Reichert for Alabama yeah hopefully
1: they don't, they don't pass up a
0: third round kicker to bring him in yeah well it's gonna happen it's like it's <laughs> yeah, like he's fetch. gonna be there it's like fetch it's gonna happen Shane yeah it's gonna it's gonna happen he'll be uh, on say- my prediction list i'll say that he, he, he will be or won't be? He will, he will. Oh, I, will I hope it, so. Absolutely. If you want to get one right, you're going to get that one On there. <laughs> Michigan at Michigan State, 6.30 p.m. on NBC. Shane, you'll have this one. And like we said, uh, Michigan is undefeated, but they have played the, – I mean, it's the best team they played, UNLV. Maybe, maybe, maybe Bowling Green, uh, where JJ McCarthy threw three picks. That could be it. Could be. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit more about JJ McCarthy at the end of the show, so we'll just we'll hold off on that. Uh, But who from Michigan State here can stand out against Michigan? I, I, we've
1: talked about Jacoby Winman, the linebacker for them uh, a couple times. I think he has that kind of potential to be a special teams ace in the NFL, maybe play a little bit. Um, so I like, I like him and Cal Halliday, their other linebacker as well. Uh, Chris Bogle, the edge rusher, you know, if he can get any kind of pressure uh, through that Michigan offensive line, then he's going to check Mark in my book. Cause that's the best offensive line in the country. Uh, but Michigan state definitely, Down after you know what they're going through this season. It's been tough. Uh, what are your thoughts on Michigan wide receiver Roman Wilson? I I think he's a top 50 type pick. You know, I, I might be a little lower in my rankings than where he'll go, but I think he's just an ultimate kind of Swiss Army knife weapon, get the ball in his hands in space, and Roman Wilson will, you know, make you miss, do big things. I think he's in that conversation, and a lot of people aren't ready for it. You know, we're gonna talk about our top five receivers tonight. I don't think he's going to be in either of our list. Um, he's probably going to go above one of the receivers on our the list.
0: There you go. Uh, finally, seven p.m. on the ACC Network, uh, Clemson at Miami. Um, this game here is interesting for me because I, I don't know what to think about Miami. I mean, they should be on. Un- I mean, they lost to North Carolina last week, right? Yeah. And then shouldn't have lost to Georgia tech the week before that, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, I thought I was, I I got old back in he brought me back in. Tyler Van Dyke did. And it's just out the door. It's out the door. All the goodwill has been flushed away. There's a lot of players on their team that are just seemingly underachieving Uh, Leonard Taylor. their big time defensive line prospect, not having the best season. A couple other guys. One guy who is having a great season uh, is their safety, Cameron Kitchens. So I'll be interested to watch him. Clemson's got some guys in the secondary that I'm going to focus fire on uh, in this one. And Barrett Carter is another one of those linebackers that you had. Uh, right? He was your top linebacker. It... He, he's He's been
1: an absolute monster this year. I mean, he is doing everything when you watch that defense.
0: So what does he do different than their other linebacker, Jeremiah Schroeder Jr., who was seemingly the top linebacker prospect coming into the season? You know, Jeremiah
1: Trotter reminds me a bit um, of Trenton Simpson last year, right, where kind of undisciplined, he has the athletic ability, you see the upside, but it's not putting it together. And Barrett Carter is the, you know, almost locked-in leader, knows exactly where the offense is going when they're going. He's there. He's making the rap tackle. It's just just more reliable, uh, you know, but maybe not the upside of Jeremiah Trotter Jr.
0: Uh, they have a safety, Andrew Makuba, who's, Macu- who's a good player. Uh, Sheridan Jones, their corner, another guy I've, I've, I like as well. So anxious to see how they play against Miami. All right, so that's going to do it for our week eight preview, eight games there. Uh, is there any other game happening this weekend we're not watching that, you know that you'll probably watch anyway. Um,
1: that's a, that's a good question. I haven't gone through, I haven't gone through the schedule to kind of pick out right. you know outside of the other ones which ones I'm, I'm gonna watch. But it's not it's not an awful day of college football. But I'm gonna be you know I'm gonna be locked in Ohio State, uh, yeah, Penn State. I mean, um, I'll watch
0: I'll watch South Carolina, Missouri, obviously. But it's uh, yeah,
1: yeah you know, Utah USC. I see if you see can bounce back after disappointing me against Notre Dame.
0: Um, And Utah's defense has been tough. That's probably a big one. That's to me. That's big for Caleb Williams. He's had back-to-back weeks where he's he's been on the struggle bus a little bit, and uh, he he needs to get right. And I don't know if Utah's defense is the uh, defense to get right again. It's
1: tough. Yeah, it's a tough one to to do. So we'll see if he can. That
0: that that team's in for a bad way. They've got back-to-back games coming up in November against Oregon and Washington. That's uh, you better you better
1: score a lot more points against those teams. Their
0: their defense is uh, not not going to be equipped for that. I don't believe. All right, let's move on to our lock of the week, Shane. Uh, At what point do our listeners start fading your picks? Uh, Start doing it now,
1: because then I'll start hitting. So please, you can start fading my picks. Yeah, I I, I'm gonna go back. What's that? We at th- we've got three in a row now on the three in a row. I, I I mean I think I'm just getting baited by the by Vegas on some of these. Where it's like, oh, I gotta pick that. It seems easy and it just doesn't hit. So I'm going back going back to my roots uh, with this one.
0: All right. Where, what do we go? What are we looking at, Shay?
1: I'm taking Michigan State plus 24 and a half I get at home against Michigan. I think I'm going with some big dogs. That that's that's been the tried and true method here. This feels like Michigan State's national championship, right? Like if if you're going to play up in one game this season, it's going to be against your rival who, you know, they're more rival to you than you are to them. And, you know, you're going to try to salvage this season and show, hey, we're worth something. I think you keep it within three touchdowns when you're playing up for that.
0: You know who's another big dog this week that I like? And they're not my lock here, but I do like I like Arizona State. I believe they're getting 27 and a half against Washington. Washington coming off that big win, man, against yeah. Oregon. That that strikes me as, you know, if a it, little let down. If it was in Arizona State, I would have taken them. I, right. I thought about that one. And too. uh uh oh, another one, uh getting a they're getting a pretty big number from Oregon as well. Yeah, I, I after, they, they burned me two weeks ago. I know, I, I know. I can't
1: do it I'm with you,
0: but uh, I like both of those uh, big dogs in the Pac-12 this week. Just, just based off of, you know, how much did you leave on the on the field in the, in the week before and you come back, having to come back to play the next week. But you said you're going back to your roots, Shane. I know a damn good thing when I see it. And the UNLV running Rebels are a good thing. Undefeated against the spread in 2023, Shane. UNLV against Colorado State, who is not playing good ball right now. But UNLV at home, giving up a little over a touchdown. Seven and a half points. I like them anyway. They've scored 40-plus points five weeks in a row, Shane. UNLV, big number, minus seven and a half against Colorado State.
1: Like, if they score 40, I think I think you're in good shape, right? If they can hit that 40 mark again, I think yeah. you're good.
0: I, I like I, it. I know, I, I, too. UNLV. All right. All right. I'm, I'm betting on them right now. All right. So let's move on to what's, what makes Shane happy. Shane <laughs> loves to talk about wide receivers. Yes. And skill position players. It, it, so. it, it pains me to limit this to five. Like,
1: the tweet, I, the draft I, countdown I, account they I could not limit it to five. I did seven. Because I think there's a, a, a big tier of, you know, the first seven are in a tier.
0: Yeah, and it's hard. I, I'm going to be honest. I could have went a lot more than five as well here. This wide receiver group is great. And I, I, I we could see, you know, 14 to 15 go in the first three rounds, I believe, easily. Um, but we're going to try to limit it to five. We may add a few more names. At well, yeah, at the end,
1: we'll all, you know, we, we gotta toss in a couple of names.
0: So let's start with number one. We're both the same here. It's the guy who Dane Brugler said middle of last season would have been the number one receiver in the last year's draft class. It's Marvin Harrison Jr. from Ohio State.
1: You know, I, I wrote an article at the beginning of the season. Is he the best receiver prospect ever? you know he, he isn't but he's not that far off when you look at the athletic skill set look at the production you know you, you kind of line up everything it's like eh, he's not Calvin Johnson right but he's he he's up there in terms of the receiver prospects that we've seen that I've graded highly i think he's in that Jamar Chase category maybe i overrate uh, a lot of people disagree with that statement um but i think Harrison has that kind of juice and the fact that he is Probably gonna come in six two and a half, six two and a quarter, um, one hundred eighty five pounds. Like one hundred, the rumor is maybe he's even closer to hundred pounds this year. And if he keeps the four three, four four flat speed, I just don't know how you don't take him in the top five.
0: I saw a comp earlier, maybe it was a bit last week, that comped him to AJ Green coming out of Georgia. You like I, that? I think it's a good comp, and I. He's more athletic than AJ Green
1: was even. but yeah it is a good comp.
0: Number two on my board is this I think it's the same as yours, but we he's been injured this year and like I said we may not see him play this week and that's Marvin Harrison Jr's teammate Ameka Agbuka from Ohio State. There's a lot to like there as well. But we haven't seen the production from him this year. Obviously, that we've seen from Harrison Jr.
1: We haven't. And I think you can make an argument for Ibuka too. I think you can make an argument for him at six or seven. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't say, oh, you know, you're wrong here if if you have someone different. Uh, but I think Ibuka's separation is just on a different level in terms of each area of the field: short, medium, long. He can play in the slot. He can play outside. The versatility is there. Uh, yeah, we haven't seen it this year. I think if the draft were tomorrow, he would not be the second receiver off the board. But five-star recruit, good athlete. Uh, we'll say that about all these top five receivers. They're all really good athletes. Um, I think Agbuca just gives you a little reliability in today's NFL game that
0: maybe some of the other receivers don't have. Um, Is he number two on your board? Yes. Okay. So this is where... We're going to start seeing differences, I believe. Based off the tweet I saw from you earlier and what I have on my board, number three for me, I talked about him earlier, Washington wide receiver Roma Dunze has moved up to number three on my wide receiver board. That happened this week after I saw how he uh, abused Oregon. And just seeing that ball track in, in, in live action this week was enough to see like you can't you can't teach that you can't coach that up right that's just you naturally that's center fielder Willie Mays ball tracking uh from, from Roma Dunze and you know I think the speed I think is going to be there as well uh six three two oh one listed so probably six two you know w- when the official measurements come in I, I really like how how well he's played up to this point and you know last year as well. When I kind of he jumped out to me last year when I watched him as well, so Adunze number three here for me. Well, he could have come out last year, but a day two pick, I think it would have happened. Now, you you
1: mentioned earlier the top seven receivers on my board are all my top 25 of my big board, right? I have all those wow. first round picks. So, so Romeo Dunze, I have him at seven. And the reason it's not necessarily Romeo Dunze, I think everything you said is accurate, Brian. The offense for Washington is just hard to handle. It's like Tennessee last year. I think Adudze is a much better prospect than Jalen Hyatt was right, but similar things. You're stacking receivers. It's it's kind of one read. Like your the safety is always isolated. Every time Rome Adudze gets a pass thrown his way, there's no safety. You know, I want to say I want to see a split the safety in the corner. You know, we never get to see that in the Washington You don't offense. see
0: a whole shot in the Washington offense.
1: Right. Like, it's not going to happen, you know, where the where the receiver is kind of feeling that zone coverage. So, to me, that that's my one worry. It, maybe it's just a blind spot for myself. I don't it could end up being the best receiver in this class. Um, but it's a hard evaluation to really know and feel confident in that for me. That's fair.
0: Who's number three for you?
1: Uh, number three for me is Malik neighbors wide receiver for LSU really came on last year when Keishon Boutte was struggling early and has not looked back. Um, he's on the smaller side, kind of, uh, and we have a number of these guys, these kind of smaller athletic receivers, six foot um, 190, but I mean, it's, it's such a natural pass catcher. And then, then he turns into a running back after, after the catch, um, had the big 239 yard game against Mississippi state. Um, I think he has, he has five catches or more in every game this season. Like neighbors is an, an alpha receiver. Has played like it uh, in a high flying offense with Jaden Daniels. I thought he made Jaden Daniels much better last year. I think Jaden Daniels is playing better this year, and you're seeing the results for neighbors. Um, yeah, I, I, I think he could play a nice wide receiver in the NFL right off the bat.
0: Yeah, neighbors is currently six on my board, but again, he's similar to you. When my board up rankings update, he'll be in my top 32 prospects. So it's like where, where he's going to get a first round grade, but this receiver is how are you, how do you stack these receivers? What do you value more? And I have certain other, you know, my, my eyeballs tell me slightly different than what you do, but ultimately we're going to end up in the same range uh, of where these guys come off the board. Uh, number four for me, uh, you mentioned smaller receiver and I'm toying with the idea of writing something next week about how this has now become acceptable, uh, in the NFL, uh, where what seven, eight years ago, you know, (laughs) maybe, maybe this isn't a thing, but now you can draft 160, 170 pound wide receiver. It doesn't matter. Right because of the way the rules have been altered and just the speed of the release of these guys. So Xavier worthy from Texas uh, to me comes in at number four and his speed. It could be maybe of this whole, what he could be maybe the fastest receiver in this class, or at least of the guys that are going to go probably high. You know, you might see a, FCS receiver at his pro day run four two something or whatever, but I think Worthy's going to be the fastest wide receiver at the combine probably uh, when it's all said and done and his, he can stop, start, he can just get down the field. He can catch those passes on the sideline and then turn it up field and just outrun every angle. Uh, stop me if I'm wrong here. I'm not a, I'm not a big comp guy and you know that, but, is Hollywood Brown, like a very a, a a comp for this guy. Yeah, no, I th- I think it's fair. Um, you know,
1: especially in terms of skill set and size, I think it's definitely fair. You know, Xavier Ward is sixth on my board, so he's not in my top five. Which he used to be. He's been the, he was number one in this class after his freshman season. so I'm with you. I think he's going to be a four three speed player. But yeah, we see Hollywood Brown. We see Devonta Smith. Right. You don't have to be a big receiver anymore. I think worthy has the electrifying ability that NFL teams want. He he just has some of those fundamental issues. You know, a lot of drops last year had the injured hand, may according to him, it's a very weird situation. You know, maybe it affected him this year. Definitely has some games where I, I feel like he hasn't gotten as open as he could be. Right, you get the ball in his hands. It's like boom. That's what you really need to do. So, once again, in my top twenty-five prospects of this class, I think he's a, a phenomenal athlete and gonna, you know going to be a good player, but may not have the ceiling because of that size of some of these other guys. You know, he's not Devonta Smith; he's more Hollywood Brown.
0: Uh, who's number four on your board? I'm
1: going, i going. A guy I think is underrated in this class is Troy Franklin, the receiver from Oregon. Uh, I think I think he's phenomenal, and he's been phenomenal from the very beginning since he he was a true freshman, five-star prospect for them he, and he's another guy who's kind of this t- kind of tall lanky but um he, I, I'll, I'll be surprised if he makes it into the 190s weight wise like i don't think' he's, he's that heavy uh, but i mean another very like speed receiver that long strides with the, the lack of weight he just gets behind you can catch the long pass really good on the sideline really good footwork um I love his route running ability. You know, Oregon's not a school that runs a ton of routes, but it seems like they opened the route tree a little more this year for Troy Franklin to let him do some different things and change up the film. Maybe I'm I'm wrong in my assessment there, but it's really I think he's a smart receiver um, who dominated Washington. I mean, he was dominant in that game, so I, I'm I'm a big fan. I think he's, uh, like I said, I think he's underrated and should, should be in the first round conversation.
0: Um, I have Franklin at seven currently on my board, but again, like I said, when my re when I redo my board, he could end up in that first round range as well. I uh, guess we have number, the same
1: five then. Right. I think
0: I believe that's where we're going to end up here yeah, at right, number cool. five is going to be Keon Coleman. Uh Is that who's number five for you? Yes. Number five on my board. Yep. Uh, the wide receiver for state transferred from Michigan state. Great size, right? Six four, two hundred 200 pounds looks every bit of 210 215 like he's rocked up rock solid can go up and get that 50 50 ball makes a can make the ridiculous catches he he runs great routes His hands are great and then as we see this week the man can return punts yeah what's not to love about the value there right that you're going to get in the 20s probably you 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 get two starters in one spot.
1: Yeah, I think him and Worthy are probably two of the better punt returns in the in the class too. Right. So you know how are you not taking those guys? Yeah, I love Keon Coleman because you're getting you know the, the six four probably up to two, 10, 215 this year. One handed catches. He's just big, great red zone threat. Um but, but, I mean, he's he's fast. He's athletic. He's really hard to cover one-on-one. You just can't do it. I think I think NFL teams are just going to love that because there's not really, a, outside of Harrison, another X receiver, right? And so I think Keon Coleman is your shot at that kind of play. We saw Jonathan Mingo go way too high because he's an X receiver, and there weren't a ton in this last class. I think Keon Coleman could be the same way.
0: Speaking of Jonathan Mingo and, you know, those receivers that – similar profile to Jonathan Mingo is number nine on my board, Xavier Leggett. I don't know where he ended up on yours, but that's a similar profile, right? 16 on
1: mine, but, you know, but fair.
0: But, but a late breakout. Like, you know.
1: Um, at least he's breaking it. Jonathan Mingo didn't even break out. He didn't even have any production. That's true. Xavier that's Leggett, true. At least
0: Leggett's at least producing at, producing a, this a, at a very high level uh, this year. Round out your top 10 quickly, uh, 8, 9, 10.
1: Yeah, eight's Jalen McMillan from Washington. So, Romeo, he was hurt. Um, nine. Also is, 8 on my board. There you go. Malachi Corley from Western Kentucky is nine on my board. 11 big, on mine. Big fan. And then Roman Wilson, we talked about, is 10. And I, I'm going to give one more. Adonai Mitchell from Texas. Uh, AD Mitchell's really moving up.
0: I, I have not watched Texas yet. So, we talked about that last week. I don't have him yet. But 10 on my board uh, is Jacob Cowing from uh, Arizona.
1: Yeah, also having a great year.
0: So, uh, Jalen so
1: Polk. Jalen Polk. Where's your boy Juice Wells? I know he hasn't played much this year for South Carolina. Uh,
0: still holding at 14 on my board, That's but solid. he's but continued. I, I keep bumping him down, like because so I see these other receivers, and I move <laughs> like I, I I moved Johnny Wilson ahead of him this week.
1: Oh, yeah, I can't do that, but yeah, I, I know, I know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> who 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 further down the board? Uh, do you really like is a, a sneaky guy? Devontae Walker came back from North Carolina these last two
1: weeks. Tez Walker got uh, three touchdowns um, for UNC. I, I think if he keeps playing like that, I mean, I mean, I think we could he could end up in day
0: two. Um, Jamari Thrash at Louisville, uh, Georgia State transfer. Yeah, having a big year for Louisville. So. Yeah, we've talked about a lot of receivers. That was that was that was good. Uh got got that discussion out there. Uh we had one kind of question uh in the comment section from our good friend uh over in Ireland, man, GTN. Yeah. Uh big always listening uh uh on a late basis, but uh he kind of asked a question here. Well I'll I'll for him in a question for you, Shane. Uh he thinks that uh Drake May could go number one over Caleb Williams.
1: I don't think it's zero percent, especially after that game against Notre Dame. I I, I wouldn't say it's zero percent. Drake May is starting to kind of take off the other way. I, I'd be pretty floored still if it would happen. I mean, Caleb Williams just has the body of work, you it's, know. It's this getting. is
0: this is recency it's reeks of recency bias, I guess, because to me, Drake May's two best games this season have coincided with Caleb Williams' two worst games. So it's I, that's where that's Kind of feels for me. I still think Drake May's a top five pick. I, I think this probably goes
1: number two. I mean, ultimately, like someone will move up for him if, if they have to. Um, but yeah, I mean, there were people before the year that were kind of saying, oh, they're close. And then it kind of stopped hearing about it. And then um, Dean Brugler came out before the Notre Dame game, like, oh, Drake May's challenging for the number one spot. And now then the Notre Dame game happened for Caleb Williams. So, you know, it's possible he's a lot bigger. Uh, but Caleb Williams is too dynamic. I, I don't believe it.
0: His other part of this, buy, uh, so I'm going to say buy or sell J.J. Uh, McCarthy top five pick. I mean, I'll sell it, but I, I think it could happen. Like I
1: don't like J.J. McCarthy yet as a prospect. If he go, comes in and... You know, plays well against Penn State and Ohio State, and um, it's not cover zero uh, against Ohio State this year, then, you know, I might buy in. I think NFL teams can buy into the athleticism to what JJ McCarthy's doing. He did throw in a double coverage twice for interceptions against Bowling Green. I don't know if I'll ever get over that as uh, watching that. Um, But like JJ McCarthy is QB3. I could see it. I could see it. I think it'd be a mistake. I think, I think I would be lower on him. Like I have been, you know, Daniel Jones, Zach Wilson, Anthony Richardson, Josh Allen, both sides of the spectrum of good and bad that I was lower on that. I didn't think would be first, should be first round picks. McCarthy would fall into that category.
0: Uh, There you go. Uh, Final thoughts from you, Shane. Uh, I'll ask this one last thing uh, from you. When you were stacking your board, uh this week what was the biggest surprise to you on how well you that you moved a player up that you after you started stacking like hey i didn't think that was going to happen but here we are
1: well that's, that's a good question um i you know i think a lot of it was the offensive tackles i didn't think would be as high on my board as they are like they're an athletic group but offensive tackles is usually one where you know i need some more information it's not my best uh you know my, my best position, I think, to scout. But, yeah, I, I had, you know, Kingsley Soamatea, who I definitely like more than anyone else at number 10. But then Marius Mims from Georgia at 19. And uh, Graham Barton for Duke was that probably one. That one took me off guard a little bit. I had, had him at 26, and I was like, you know, it, it lines up. He's playing that way when the rest of Duke is not. So I think that's where I was surprised. Those other tackles were a little higher than I thought.
0: Yeah. Final thought for me uh, next week, we're going to talk about tight ends uh, and I, I love the tight end position, uh, but spoiler alert for everybody out there. Uh, this ain't the 2023 uh, NFL draft class at tight end. It's just not, let's just, let's temper, temper the expectations down a little bit for that next week. All right. So that's going to do it for tonight's edition of the draft countdown podcast. As uh, a reminder, if you're uh, new to the channel, and you come across this, hit that subscribe button, uh, hit the notification bell, like the videos, share them out. If you listen to this on an audio platform, be it Spotify or Apple Podcasts, uh, give us a five star review, leave a nice comment there, and uh, share out that as well. You can follow me on Twitter at Deep Fried Draft, follow Shane on Twitter at Shane P. Hallam, follow Draft Countdown on Twitter at Draft Countdown. And for all of your NFL draft needs, daily go to draftcountdown.com. For Shane, I'm Brian.